hello and welcome to Filmmates. I'm Leif. And I'm JJ. Here at Filmmates, we make use of both our film degrees and our real-life industry experience to analyze popular movies and shows on a more technical level. This week, we're taking a look at Game of Thrones Season 1. We wanted to break down uh, a few other elements in specific. One of the things that I really want to talk about is the opening credits for Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones is the first show I have ever seen to use its opening credits like it has. It is one of the first shows I've ever seen um, that actually uses its opening credits to convey new information to the audience that isn't just about who the cast is and who the crew is. It is, they like, what they actually do is they go in a map around around this world and they show you where you're going to be in and what's going on in those places. Vaguely. Yeah, and they also show you physical changes like uh, yeah. Winterfell burning or like things that are, yeah, but you see where you're at um, yeah. very well. And I also like the fact that they have the names and then they have the house that they're associated with. Yeah. Which is really interesting because it gives you kind of like a... A better idea of, oh, that that's that person. Yeah. And I like that. And I think it was very well done. I think, I think it's just really good. I feel like more television should be making use of its opening credits like this. Like this is a great way to like address the viewer directly and say, okay, here's what's going on here. Here's what's going on here. And it also helps because this is a very big story with a lot of characters in a lot of different places. So you kind of, it helps to reorient yourself a little bit like, okay, here's where we're going to be. Okay, here's where this is going to be. And it'll remind you of what's going on where. And it gives you a better idea of where these characters are coming and going. Like, where, yeah. the, the way this world is laid out is very important. Yeah, and there's sometimes, like, especially in Danny's storyline, Daenerys' storyline, where you go to new places and they don't really explain the name. Yes. Um, and so it's good to have it in the beginning credits, like, oh, this is the place that we're in in Essos, because then you um, can kind of, like, infer where we're at and what we're doing. I just also really like the animation of the opening credits. It is very well animated, I it's think. It's a nice I... bit of CGI editing, uh, CGI animation. It's a nice bit of, um... My favorite part of it, though, is the, um, the, uh, the tree. Yes, the, the tree, tree, the... And it's, like, a good art style. It's just really, it's a really well-done opening, uh, scene. And the music goes along with it very well. And, Like, um, it gets you pumped. Yeah, it gets you ready to go. And I like how it slightly changes. Yeah. With 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 the changes in the world and the changes in where people are. Yeah. Um one thing I don't really like about it, the way it was in season 1 is uh it's just it's a nitpicky. It's petty. But when they they go and they show you Vastothrak. Uh, I hate that shot. I hate it so it's much. They, they go that. upside down and they fly over it and then they break the 180. It's and like not flip even a it. Dutch angle. It's like a weird side. Like, 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 I hate that shot. I hate it. It disconnects it from everything else. It, like, it, like it, it calls attention to itself. It look it, like, yeah, it's arts and credit, but it's stupid. Yeah. And I was so happy when she that got away is. from Vastothrak and it, and it, we, I didn't have to see that dumb shot anymore. Yeah, and the other places in, in that area are cooler because there's bigger structures to show in the map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, what's also cool is that it shows you a little bit more. So you don't really get a see into a lot of these cities that uh, Daenerys goes to in later seasons. Um, so it's nice to kind of see what they look like on the map. But yeah, so that's the opening credits, and I think it's very well done. Yeah, I, I think more shows should use their opening credits like this. Yeah, the other thing we really like is the Tyrion. Okay, so... Uh, shooting around Tyrion. Yeah, we wanted we wanted to kind of break down the way that they handle Tyrion. So Tyrion, um, if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, which is... If you haven't seen Game of Thrones, why are you watching... This. Why are, are you, you watching this? This is a technical breakdown. This is not a review to tell you whether or not you should watch a show. Yeah, um, but they shoot very well around Tyrion, and in certain moments, like, I, I've noticed that they, if he's standing in a scene, um, he's normally at the low of the scene. Like, he is, um, he's emotionally a certain way, mm -hmm. um, and it's visually shot where he's more emotionally open to the person. Yeah, you, you can tell that the, and they shoot around his height very well. The cinematographer, like, it was a combination, because Tyrion is played by an actor who is, like, actually a little person. And Peter that Dinklage. Yeah, yeah, Peter Dinklage. And that provides uh, a unique challenge. How do you shoot this character without 
making the shots look weird without having him be at constantly at a low angle without him getting cut off in weird ways and they to their credit mastered it beautifully they do they do a really good job of both um uh, scene choreography and also cinematography on how they shoot him yes so we wanted to talk about a few of the different scenes uh with Tyrion in it the first one we wanted to talk about uh was Tyrion and Jon in episode two, kind of halfway through the episode. They're on their way to the wall. Yeah, they're on their way to the wall, and it's this small little scene where Jon and Tyrion are talking, and Jon is sort of being confronted with the reality. Um, He's kind of, I feel like this is a scene where Tyrion is on the high ground. Like, he is informing somebody of something. So he's put above that person, and he's, it's very... So yeah, here's the interesting thing. Tyrion is almost always shot straight on yeah he's very he's very rarely shot from a high angle and so to explain some of those terms so you have your subject and you have your camera above your subject pointing down down and that's called a high angle a low angle shot is the exact opposite you have your subject and then you have your camera below your subject looking up they've done that with him and they've also done the above but they're very specific and they almost always shoot him high on because and I think that's a really good piece of storytelling because despite his height, despite his... Um, he has a very high place in this world. The, despite his disability, he has a very high place in this world and also he holds himself to a higher esteem. He doesn't allow himself to be brought low. And he has a certain... Um, there's a certain uh, standard that the world sees him at. Like, he says that he is a treated the same as, as John, but there's, like... He is smart and knows how to get himself out of certain situations. I want to say he's always ends up on yeah. the good of those, but he does know how to manipulate things in his favor, and it and yeah. you can see it in in the in how how he presents. Himself. So yeah, in this scene, John is shot. The close up on John is shot from a high angle because he it's him finally realizing. Oh, the Night's Watch isn't what I thought it was. Nobody else would be besides you and weirdly Jamie. But Tyrion is always shot straight on, on an even plane with him. He's not necessarily shot from a low angle, because it's not like he's lording over Jon. But what's really interesting is when you cut to Tyrion's over the shoulder, they're both sitting down, by the way. When you cut to Tyrion's over the shoulder... He is physically higher up than John because they shot it on a hill. So yeah. Tyrion is higher up. I think he's on a tree up. trunk, actually, which yeah. is interesting. And they put him on, like, a tree trunk. And they also put, like, emphasis on his shoulders by putting, giving him, like, a, a cloak that's a little bit... Yeah. Has, like, a higher lift yeah. on his shoulder above his, like, Yeah, his so, so the way that they solved shooting with Tyrion here is to... And I actually think when they're doing his over-the-shoulder, Tyrion's on an apple box. Oh, I'm pretty sure like because a sitting on a sitting on a tree stump actually would be a pain in the butt. Yeah, literally. Uh, yeah, but you can see that John is still taller than he is because you're not quite over John's shoulder. You're kind of off the side of his arm, just to shoot straight on. So the way that they solve shooting Tyrion here is they have them sitting. Yeah, I also the other there's a there's also another scene where they do this um, with him and Theon um, when he comes back to Winterfell. I don't think we have this um, on the notes, but uh, yeah. but he's on a horse when he's having that scene. Yes, and, and, he, I, and he is shot from a low angle in that scene, I'm pretty sure. And it's very interesting done because he is in a position that's above Theon. Um, because the isn't, Theon is a hostage, he's a ward of the family, and even in the scene, Tyrion is, like, saying that he is Yeah, he's reminding him. him of his position in life. And Theon is shot, shot at a... High angle. Yeah, and yeah. I think that it was very smartly done. And yeah. Very um, clever. So that's on a horse. That's how they solved it. What's interesting, though, is one of the few times where you see Tyrion be shot from a high angle is uh, there's a conversation in episode nine between Tyrion and Tywin, his father, where Tywin essentially tells him, I am sending you to the front lines, and the unspoken words are, so you can die, because I hate you. <laughs> and what's really interesting, at this scene, they're all sitting at a big table. It's Tyrion and Tywin's at the head of the table, and there's a bunch of other people all sitting around at the Lannister table. Lannister people. A bunch of other Lannister 
Lannister people. Yeah, they don't do good casting for the Lannister extras. Some of them are annoying. Yeah, some of them are just annoying, and I don't like them as much. And not all of them are blonde. (laughs) But that's beside the point. But what's really interesting in in that scene is the only shots where Tyrion is shot from a high angle are the ones that are from Tywin's perspective. Yeah. Yeah, but all the other ones, like, for example, when they're shooting over the shoulder of the guy who's, like, right sitting right across from Tyrion at the table, mm-hmm. he's shot on an even plane. And, I think and it's... when it's over the shoulder from the guy who's on the opposite end of the table from Tywin, he actually ends up being higher. Yeah. They put his, I think they put his, um, they either put him on an apple box or put his chair on an apple box, so he actually ends up being higher. Yeah, I think that they, they I think the reason why it's shot like this is because we're shooting, because it's, Perspective and shooting um, mm-hmm. is really interesting because um, scenes are normally shot because of the perspective of who they are. Because um, they norm- people normally pick a person in a scene to be the perspective of the scene. I think they shoot Tyrion scenes normally from his perspective. And so I think it's really telling of his character why this is shot this way. Yeah. Because he sees himself kind of wanting to have his father's... Um, appreciation and yeah and kind of a below his father in a sense because his his father is the only person who can bring him low yeah and that's the the interesting thing and i also feel like he did feel a little low like they shot him low in the scene with um like with catelyn and liza totally but here's the thing that scene isn't from Tyrion's perspective no it's it's from catelyn's and i think that's very interesting so yeah it would make sense and here's the thing, the scene immediately following the t- conversation with Tywin is another scene with Tyrion, where he meets Shay. St- like, what happens at the end of the Tywin scene is he gets up from the table and he steps down the platform and the camera is still at a high angle on him and he kind of becomes smaller and smaller as he steps down. Mm-hmm. And then the opening of the very next scene, the yeah. ne- very next shot, is... Again, high angle from over Shay's shoulder. And they keep that high angle up until Braun leaves. The coverage switches to being he's on equal and then yeah. she's on equal. Another thing that happens in the conversation when he meets uh, Shay is Braun does this thing that he actually ends up doing a lot in the show. Mm-hmm. The actor ends up doing a lot in the show where if they're both standing and they want a closer two yeah. shot of them, Braun does this very specific little lean yeah. where he like leans on something and kind of twists his body in a very specific way. It's both a great bit of like character acting. Yeah. And also a really nice way of using blocking to mm-hmm. keep those two in the same shot. Yeah, I also think they use it later on with um mm-hmm. with Shay where they have instead of having her um like standing up in a lot of scenes, they have her like laying down on the bed and yes. he comes up um and they like have their head like he's standing up next to them and they have their heads lying next to each other and they do that a couple times and i think it is yeah um definitely another great uh tearing shooting scene was the uh the battle um and the post battle like him getting knocked out yeah on his level when he gets knocked out which is very interesting yeah so but the even cooler stuff so for the first the first shot going into the battle after Tyrion and Bronn exit the tent yeah is this really nicely done uh like stampede scene no 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 the steady cam shot episode nine do they have the camera on the bottom of the steady cam then they probably they'd probably mount it because they couldn't have been that low to the ground, right? Because they're very low. There's this great uh, shot where they use the blocking to transform the shot a bit. So what happens is it is a wide shot of Braun and Tyrion walking. And the camera is stays stays on the ground. And they get closer and closer. And it kind of goes to a, a close-up of Tyrion as he's walking closer. And it's really nice. And that's all shot on an equal level. But then the very next scene, or the very next shot, is this jib shot that goes from being on Tyrion's level to going up and showing you more like, of the camp. More of the camp, but it also makes Tyrion look so much smaller. And then whenever they want to show both both his face and all their faces, it's a it's another wide. That's one of the things that they do the most is they do a wide shot if they want to see Tyrion talking to other people. Yeah. Also the the the, the this design of the mountain clan people. Yeah, they they look fun. They look like they're a party. And then immediately when they go, go charging off into battle, 
it's this uh, handheld low. that's on that's very low, very close to Tyrion. Honestly, I I wonder if they put the the person who's shooting on something and just rode off. Yeah. I feel like they might have put him on a car. Then we have this really interesting scene where it's definitely from uh, his perspective and it's upside down. Yeah, I hate that first shot where it's upside um, down, though. I wish they did it right side up because it doesn't make sense that it is upside down. Um, and then it, you see a lot of shots that are clearly from uh, Tyrion's perspective. And then what? But they, also it cuts to a stuff of him above him yeah. where they positioned the camera. Like, I guess they, they built a rig above his head. Yeah. And they shot, and then they just only the only thing they do besides that is they punch in, yeah, um, with him. And then all the stuff from his POV are obviously low angle because he's so much lower. But here's what's interesting about this scene that I I really like what they did is they put Tyrion on a cart. He sits up, and because they put him on a cart, he is on the same level as Bronn. And then his father rides up, Tywin rides up, and he's on a horse in a a bit of a distance. Giant, majestic war horse. A bit of a distance away. But unlike the previous scene where all of Tyrion's coverage was from a high angle, he is on an equal playing field more in this this shot. Because uh, Tywin just got punked by a kid. Because Tywin just got punked by a kid, and Tyrion's the one who looks better in it. Uh, looks better. Even no matter how a Tywin tries to spin it. And it's this well-blocked-out shot where you have, on the right hand, you have Tyrion on the cart and Bronn standing next to the cart, and then on the left side, you have Tywin on this big horse. But they, they're they almost in the same plane, and, yeah. they're, and it's shot on level with Peter Dinklage. Yeah. I just thought, oh, that's a really great way of, you of really solving have that. No idea how to spell any of these names, though. No, I don't. We, we have our night. Our uh, Tyrion is spelled wrong. Cersei is spelled wrong. And uh, well, I knew Cersei wrong. was spelled wrong. I don't care what know. what their actual spellings. There's are There's no their A name. in Tyrion. There's no A in Tyrion. No. Is it an E? Oh, Tyrion. Tyrion. That makes sense. And Cersei is an S, not a C. Well, Braun has two ends. I think they did that just. I think they that, did that just to fuck with me specifically. I think they did that to to make it different from Bran. Yeah, that Bran and Braun. Those names are too similar. I know, but can we please mention that uh, Tywin's battle armor is impractical for battle because of the fact that he has a giant red sash. But here's the thing: he's gonna get ripped off that horse. Here's the thing: he's not on the battlefield. Exactly, Tywin. That the armor is. Purely for show, because Tywin has not. He said, like Tyrion. The one says thing this that's interesting later. to me, though, is that um, that they just had uh, armor that that um, fit that fit, Peter fit Tyrion. Yeah, they just had armor that fit for Tyrion ready. They didn't know he was coming, but they just had it ready. Yeah, I would think that they would make that. Ar- they made that armor for him ages ago. And uh, for Tywin ceremonial just, purposes. And Tywin just packed it along because if he comes, I'm if he comes, I'm throwing him on the front lines. <laughs> Tywin is, he, t- like we said, Tywin predicts the future. He's read the books. He's the Deadpool of this of this world. He knows that Tyrion's coming, and yet he's still disappointed when he lives. D- does that mean you think that Tywin is going to outlive everybody? Oh, absolutely not. When do you think he's going to die? Uh, well, he hasn't died yet. I think he's gonna die in this season. Okay, the season well, that we're currently so watching. So season, season four, four, he says he's gonna die. Yep. Uh, so the next scene that we wanted to break down is from episode five. Um. Okay. And it's this scene between Cersei and Robert, because I think- Cersei and Robert. This scene kind of demonstrates some of the problems with this season, in the sense so, that the stuff that's going on on set- really good at the chemistry great the writing was actually really good for this scene i think that some of the writing in this this season was a little clunky comparatively a little bit but um, you i think tell they were just still... trying to find the voices of the characters yeah. and they did after the season i but... thought the pay like here's the thing about the writing i thought the pacing was pretty good but i just think the character dialogue was whereas the pacing um, in season two i was less impressed with. i think they I, but i think the character dialogue was kind of off they didn't have the voices for the characters quite right yet no they did not um and i think it failed the most with like people like uh jamie and Tyrion and cersei and and um daenerys yeah this scene is an example of some of the best parts of the the stuff that they're doing on set all the shots are well constructed they're well done they make sense the the lighting in in season one is gorgeous 
Yes. It's beautiful. Um, they just do, uh, like, they just make a great use of diffusion. What I really like uh, in this scene is that Robert is in shadow almost when he turns back to talk to Cersei. This is the last time Cersei sees Robert before Robert dies. There's also a nice part when he walks to the window and they uh, have a light on his face then and it kind of makes it really important because he's talking about his feelings for Lyanna, which I feel like is the only thing that he thinks is the good part of him. Yeah. And, and I don't it, think it is the good part of him because he didn't really know her. Yeah. But I think that he um he feels like a certain way about it in a way. But and Cersei it also brings and back Cersei's his youth. the one in light, but she's got this great shadow over her like shadow and definition on her face. That it looks very dramatic. It looks very beautiful. And just the quality of the light is so nice. I like there's like there's a very good contrast between their outfits too, where he's in like a green a dark green um, gold color, and she's in a pink, reddish colors, and I think that's uh, contrasting of them, and he's dark hair, and she's light of hair, and it, yeah. it's all very... Um, and the acting between the two is so good, and the, just, the, the, can, the writing, I think, is They capture really the what, what they are in their relationship very well, is they don't like each other, they have yeah. an awful relationship, and they both know it, and they will both acknowledge it. And, and I it's think very interesting. And I think, like the especially towards the end of the scene, where I think is which has I think the best editing of, in the scene when she asks him about Leah, what Ned's sister. Yeah, yeah. She asks him about about she, her, and he says that he doesn't even remember her face he just remembers that she was the only thing he wanted but here's the thing it really emphasizes the fact that he doesn't know, know her. her didn't know what he she wanted li- he liked the idea of her and there there was a scene i i, I don't think and then when the so, show, and then cersei like, and then he goes does that make you feel better or worse and cersei says it doesn't make me feel anything at all and it was just like ah oh, she's is... gotten to i feel like it gotten it, it, she has gotten to a point where she does does she knows that there's no way of finding love with robert he abused her he hurt her he raped her so it's like there's no way to for them to ever get past all the things he's done um and no matter saying that he loved liana or didn't love liana or whatever would have ever changed anything at this point but i feel like yeah. that stuff would have changed things in the beginning yeah and I like the part where she talks about how I did want you at one point. Yeah. And I think that that is really telling of the fact that their relationship could have worked if Robert tried to make it work. Yeah. If everybody, because I feel like the thing about her, like, there's a bit of tragedy to Cersei's character and it's really emphasized in this scene. And her frustration with the, the role she has been forced to play that she did not want. Because it's really emphasized that Cersei wanted to be the heir wanted to be in Jamie's place and then and Tyrion's place she, yeah, kind of but like frustrated being forced into the role of being a woman and the, yeah and you also see it again in the um the scene where she and Robert are having that fight about Ned and she says I should be the one in armor and you in the gown and it is showing another she sees that she's this isn't the role that she's designed for yeah she's designed for a leading in her opinion and that's very interesting it, the scene is really good because the performances are really good. The cinematography another, is good. The act, like the lighting is very good. But and, it's and, also very another good use of a well, like of a big room, of an airy room. Yes, there's a good. shot that's um from behind Cersei. That's this very wide shot that shows this kind of very empty room around them. It, it gives you this very and the lighting in it is really nice. It's very dramatic and ah, oh, it's just good Mwah. good filmmaking but then the editing ruins it. it this is a scene that's overcut they keep on cutting and cutting and cutting and here's the thing there's a scene in season three that is kind of similar to this scene and it's a scene between jamie and brianne where jamie's finally giving his side of the kingslayer story and it's the same sort of situation where it's well lit well shot and well performed but the difference is the editing is much better because the edit lets the care the actors just act. It doesn't overcut it. I also think it's even more comparable to the scene between um, Cersei and Tyrion. Um, yes. Uh, when they're talking about um, Joffrey not being a good person. Yes. And um, 
and how Marcelli and Tommen are good people, and um, so some good things have came from her and, and Jamie's relationship, and I think that that was a very well-shot, well-done scene and very good character acting. Yeah, I just, oof, great scene, badly cut. Yeah. Yeah, that, and, that, and that's the There's, unfortunate part. I just, editing can make or break a good film, and, or, or a good, even when I actually think it's a testament to the, 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 how good the actors are, that despite the editing, that scene still hits. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the best scene in the, in the series, there's definitely Uh, a bit better. Absolutely not. Um, I think the best shooting in the entire series, and even the best editing, were the last two episodes, I think the last two episodes were the best and most well done. Of of season season one? Season one, I think it was them starting to get their um, their what, groove, their groove, and what they want the show to look like. Um, I think we should talk about our uh, favorite scenes. Oh, favorite scenes. Um, favorite scenes, favorite characters. Okay, favorite scene. There's I I can't choose between two scenes, um, and they're very similar. One is Ned Stark's death. I think it was well shot. They have this part of the scene where um, Sansa is. You know, uh, Arya is on the Sept Baylor, the Baylor statue, and um, they have the camera, go- like, on a low angle looking up at her, but it, like, follows her and her gaze around, um, and you don't really see Ned a lot during the execution. You have a, a scene where it's, like, a, under him, and you see him talking, and it, I found out later he's praying, because that's what Sean Bean said. Um, <laughs> uh, then it cuts to, like, uh, you see Sansa, and you see the look and the, the motions play on her face. Like, she thinks that he's going to go to Night's Watch, and he's happy that she, he's going to be free. And, like, and oh. then the turn. And then the turn, and you see everything play on her face. Yeah. And it's played so well. And, like, the, I, also... I like the fact that they don't, like, stay on Ned. They kind of show the people around him because you see what the fallout is going to be. Yeah. They like, know this see, is a big moment. You see the look on Cersei's face and you're she's shocked. And you see um, Barry's running and you see the, like, smirk on Littlefinger's face and you're, like... You see the 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 stress and and uh, and Sansa fainting, and you see Arya in the arms of the um the the person who's gonna take her away, and it's all it's all about them and where where it goes from there. And you see the joy and the malicious joy on on Joffrey's face, and you see it's just about where are these characters who are here? Where does it go from there? It's not about Ned because Ned's story is over. It's yeah. about the people who are gonna be left behind now that he's gone. Yeah. And Jack Gleason's acting in that scene was really good because even I, I knew that Ned was going to die, but even I was not anticipating that Joffrey to turn around and be like, but you weren't anticipating how. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the. And I think I think that's what that that's what makes that scene so good. Is and this... you also there's also this beautiful part like the sound where the sound after his head gets cut off all you hear is the slice yeah and you hear um like I think it's birds above uh you look yep. up and it's like it's like from Arya's perspective and there's birds flying yeah and I think that that's such well done sound design there's not a lot of like amazing sound design ever the sound design is really good but it's because mm-hmm. you can't tell but this is one aspect where you could tell and it's important yeah and emphasizes something also. We already talked about the other two of my favorite scenes, which were um, Rob and Catelyn after, mm-hmm. and the Tyrion scene, um, just the shooting of the Tyrion scene after the battle. Yeah. What were your favorite characters, though? At this point, um, I think my favorite characters were, I like Sansa, and I, um, but that's a lot to do with the fact that I read the books. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like Sansa, and I also really enjoy Sophie Turner's acting. Um, the show made me like Arya way more than I even did in the books. Yeah. Um, because I think Maisie Williams' acting is amazing. Um, and um, I also like Samwell. I like Sam on the wall. He doesn't do much, but he's adorable, and I think that he would be a... He's a good... He's a good boy! He's a good friend of John, and he is going to... I think Guy he should John. be a, uh, a maester. You think he should be a maester? I think he would do very well as a maester. Yeah, do you think that the maester at, at the wall is going to die then? He's getting old. He is getting old. If he doesn't... If, if he, he doesn't die, the actor's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he also has some great lines. I like that little scene with him and, and John. Ooh, that scene between him and John where, where he reveals who he is. In case you didn't know that the guy named Aemon was a Targaryen. I didn't know. I'm just shocked that John didn't connect the dots because there's a lot of Aemons in Targaryen I'm not history. shocked at all. John's a dumbass. 
John's not the smartest human being. He's especially, not good at ex- picking up on context Especially, clues. I feel like that's especially present in season, like, the earlier seasons, and I think he learns at some point. I think it's at some point after season three, he's he, like... He, gr- he grows a couple brain cells. Yeah, I feel like he learned a lot from his experiences with the wildlings. Yeah. Uh, so, my favorite scenes. Some of them are scenes, some of them are moments. I loved the scene between Bronn, Shay, and Tyrion where they're just talking to each other. Oh, the truth and a lie. Yeah, that's like a, like this fun little sleepover scene. Yeah, I think that's the most interesting thing about that scene is it's like kind of setting up the fact that uh, Shay and Tyrion are not going to have a good ending. Yes, it's great foreshadowing, but it also like really, I also like the way the scene ends where Tyr- Tyrion and Shay are just like, all right, time to fuck. And then Broad's like, oh shit, they're, they're, they're getting ready to fuck now. I guess I'm going to leave. Bye, guys. Bye. It's this cute little sleepover scene. And then they're, they they're kick Bronn out. Where they, well, they don't kick Bronn out. Bronn sees himself out because he doesn't want to want to be a part of what's going on. He um, wants to go find himself a new tent. And I also like... Where did Bronn sleep now that I think about it? <laughs> he, just... he just slept in another tent. Bronn doesn't need a lot of a lot of things. Bronn's like a simple man. I feel like he took somebody's tent and killed them and then took their tent. Yeah, I feel like I he's in line with Bronn's behavior. That's that's in, that's in line with Bronn. Bronn I like, uh, but uh, one of my... It's more like a moment is the last scene between Varys and uh, Ned. Yeah. When Ned's in the dungeon and Varys has this great line where, like, Ned's like, and who who do you stand for? Which side are you on? And, and Varys is like... I'm on the side of the realm. Someone has to be. Oh, yeah. And he's and he basically points out that Ned's honor is going to get a lot of innocent people killed. I, yeah. I thought that was really Including well his own family. I like that and then, and how it connects to, like, a lot of the kids saw. Yeah. Um, but here's something I forgot I wanted to mention. Um, and it was, it was just shooting style-wise. I liked how the dragon, um, the birth scene, like, going into the thing. Yes. But here's the big reason I really like it. Costume choice on Daenerys. They put her in her wedding dress. Mm. And I think that was very smart and it really tied, um, together her arc of the marriage. Yes. Arc. And it, um, yeah. And I thought that was very interesting and there was subtle, like, very... I also liked, uh, what scene did I like? Yeah, do you know what we haven't talked about? What? Sex position. Le- can I, can I finish talking about, like, who my favorite characters were? Yeah. I liked the, the dancing master. I really liked him. He was just fun. And then he died. And then he died! I liked Tyrion, but I think most people like Tyrion. Um, I think he's, yeah, I think... He's just easy to he's, like. He's clever. He's more likable in the show. Yeah, he's um, clever. He's they, an underdog. They definitely, they definitely made him a likable character in the show, and I, I I have mixed feelings about that. Yeah. I mean, I just like him. I also like... I feel um, like you start not liking him over time, though. Like, he starts wearing out his welcome at some point. I also liked, at this point uh, in season one, I also really liked Littlefinger, because I like a good slime. I like a good slimy man. He feels like, sometimes I feel like he might be too much of a mustachioed villain. He doesn't feel as much that way in season one. You're a little bit more nebulous as to whose side he's on and, and what he's willing to do. Yeah. I think it's more like what he's willing to do. Yeah. He does have um so many interesting lines, though. Yes, he does. He has a lot of those lines that you just like. Just any up. scene between him and, and Varys is just... Uh, I also really liked Arya, mostly because I could sympathize with her, like, mood. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that's a lot of reasons why I like Sansa, is I can sympathize with her. I've been through a lot of, like, similar traumas, or I've been through, like, a lot of her storyline, I feel like, is, like, she's dealing with anxiety and anxiety of disappointing people, and she just wants to fit in, and, like, nobody wants to be her friend. Like, that scene... When she, um, when she runs into the hound in the, like, second episode, mm. um, and she, you see her look over at the girls who are, um, like, at, from the court who are, like, doing each other's hair, and she's just, like, it looks like she wants to join them, but she doesn't know how to because, like, she doesn't know how to approach people, and she, like, I feel like she's, like, one of those girls who just, like, wants to fit in, and that's, like, how I felt, like, most of my, like, adolescence is I just really wanted to fit in, and I never felt like I could, and I feel like that's a lot of what Sansa is, especially in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Not that she has any better job fitting in later. Um, it kind of just gets worse. 
But I think that a large part of her story to begin with is that she just has a straight, a, a very big desire of wanting to fit in and also wanting to get the approval of everybody around her. Yeah. And I think that the, that is a big reason why she ends up falling into Cersei's trap is that she, um... She just, yeah. That she's giving her the approval that Ned isn't. She's, uh, she's spending the time with her that Ned isn't. Mm-hmm. And having the conversations with her that Ned isn't. And I feel like if Ned had a little bit more conversations with her, she wouldn't have easily fallen into that trap, but... Yeah. Yeah. Ned. All right, so sex position. Sex is a very interesting thing in this show. And I knew going into it that sex was, like, a thing in this show because I think everybody who knows. Like, there's actually, like, a lot of articles about sex position and, like, it's talked about a lot. Yeah, yeah. In the film world. I, yeah, I heard mixed opinions about the use of sex in the show. I think, personally, I think it's, uh, there's good and bads to it. Like, I think it's... The idea of using it the way that they use it is good, but sometimes, uh, sometimes the execution is not as good. Yeah, I think the purpose is there, but the execution is wrong a lot of the time. I think that they have two ex- sex positions, uh, three maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there's a scene where it's. I think it, and they. I think they, because a lot of people say that the, the first sex position scene on Game of Thrones is the Peter Baelish, and I will even say it's not. No. Um, because I see there's a lot of exposition in the scene between Viserys and. Doria, the girl who is yes. tired of standing. Um, and that's a really good scene. Yeah. And I think that um, it really shows a lot about his character and it also shows who she is and her past. Yeah, and I think it also strikes like a, a good... It also is, it shows how he views people beneath him. Yeah, and I think it strikes like a good, like a good balance of the amount of like sex to like... Yeah, and dialogue. Because whereas I, with the, whereas with the little finger one scene, I was just like, okay, okay, you're just trying to distract us from the information he's giving, and yeah, it felt like this weird. weird. It's also and it was shot weird, and it's supposed to be like two women um, having sex, but it's definitely shot from the male gaze because it's shot from Peter's perspective, which and- isn't necessarily wrong to do because it, it does show how he views these women as props to yeah his, yeah, yeah it he, does. Do, he doesn't even view them necessarily in a sexual sense yeah but he sees them as a commodity or something yeah that, because he also has a really interesting line in the beginning um with uh, i forget who he says it to i think it's ned where he says um whores don't sink yeah um, and I think that really shows what kind of character is. He is all about the investment that and he's making and, like, what yeah. his bottom line is. And that's very important to his yeah. character. I think it's very interesting when they use sex, not as just a means of, like, distracting you while they're they're conveying information, but also... There's a huge distinction the between... The sex itself conveying information. Like, for example, the sex scenes between Tyrion and Shay are very different from, say, a lot of the, sec- a lot of the earlier sex scenes between... Which may or not be considered sex, these scenes between, um, Cal Drogo and, um, yeah. Daenerys. Well, rape scenes, let's be honest. Yeah, the first two are definitely rape scenes, and then they move into love scenes, and they're... And also the, the sex positions that they use are different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I feel like there's a... There's, like, this weird dichotomy between, like, fucking, fucking a woman doggy style and fucking them while facing but each I other. I also feel like there's, um, there's a, a certain amount of, like, you should have a kiss before sex. In sex scenes that are very important. Mm. Um, I feel like if you have, like, kissed in between us in the middle of a sex scene, it, it kind of taken something out of it. Mm. Um, if they don't have a, like, initial, like, build-up, there's something wrong with it. Like, it's not a, lo- it's not a love scene, it's a sex scene. Yeah. Um, I think there's a certain... They definitely... Game of Thrones is a very good thing about how distinguishing sex scenes from love-making scenes. Yes. And that's really important. And you see it way more later on because, like, you have characters, like... Um, Taliza and and um, and Rob, who have very obvious love making scenes. Danny and uh, in Daenerys and um, Cal Drogo's sex scenes later on. Yeah, you that's can actually tell there's like a love. transition there. You can you see the transition sh- where she like fully kind of like becomes taken in by the Stockholm syndrome of it all, and like decides to that she loves Cal Drogo, and they have the sex scene. Like, that, that's actually marked by a sex scene. Yeah, I feel like so many of the sex scenes are definitely... Um, and that sex scene is lit differently. And yeah. all the scenes between... All the more intimate scenes between them afterwards are also lit very differently. Yeah, here's the very interesting thing. I feel like 
sex scenes, they don't light faces very well in sex scenes. Whereas when they're lovemaking scenes, the faces, you can see a lot of the detail and the emotion and the expression. And the skin the almost glows. There, there was like this one scene between, uh, it's not a sex scene, but it is an intimate scene where both Cal Drogo and um, uh, Daenerys are like naked and they're talking about what they're, about their, their child. And um, I think they put a filter over the lens because the skin almost glows. And you can do that with, uh, so, so their glass they, I don't filters, think they did it in post. That has been It was definitely an in-camera thing. It looked like a filter. That, so there are uh, glass filters that you can put over your your camera lens. And you know sometimes, they can't see you, right? Yeah, I know they can't see my, my hand motions. But I'll do them anyway because it helps me when I'm talking. Okay. But what they do is they can either, like, there's, like, ones that, that make the sky stand out better because they decrease the amount of, of light that you're seeing on the sky. There's ones that can do things like um, make the skin tones glow. And just, like, things feel and warmer in catch general. catch the light in a specific way. Yeah. I think that they, um, I'm interested in how you feel about some later sex scenes. I can't wait until we get to them and you can tell me all your opinions on them because they... I will have opinions. There's, uh, sex scenes are something so interesting um how do you feel about the i felt uh <laughs> there's what other sex scenes are in this because like obviously Roz and like everybody um, Roz and everybody and uh, those are never really like loving at all yeah i think there's a weird part of t- uh the, the relationship with Roz and theon's very interesting because it sets him up as being sort of like a horn dog well, because he is. Because he is. I find the the weird thing about um the the sex scene between um between Roz and uh, Tyrion is the fact that she has a belt on, and it just makes me feel weird. <laughs> like, why do they leave a belt on? And apparently, she's the only prostitute in all of Winterfell because <laughs> well, she's the best prostitute because you saw Jamie let in a bunch of other prostitutes, and and it's in uh it's in Wintertown. And you saw Jamie let in a lot of them, but she's the best. She's the best. And then she leaves. Because she has better promises in um, King's Landing that do not go well for her after No, all. they do not. She goes on an incline, and then she just <sighs> drops. She makes, she uh, crosses the wrong people. Yeah, and uh, that doesn't go well for her. No, it does not. But yeah, there's a yeah, the, there's a specific difference between lovemaking. Like you can see between, I feel like with Tyrion is the most emphasized because of the fact that we see two different type of scenes from Tyrion specifically. Mm. Because you have the scene she, he has with Roz, where they do talk, but it's definitely you know it's not a lovemaking scene. Yeah, no, it's it's like banter. Yeah, and then um, and, and, then and it's, have... it's good banter that it also tells you who he is because that's our introduction to him. Yeah, and you also, like, I feel like when you have a, I feel like kissing as a prelude to sex is very important. Mm-hmm. If you're having sex and there's no on-screen first kiss, it's very, um, it's not setting up for good things. Yep, yep. Uh, but what's interesting about the first sex scene with uh, Tyrion and the, in comparison to sex scenes between women and other people in the show, well, specifically other people in the show and, like, prostitutes, is Tyrion treats them differently. Like, it's, like, not as violent or as, as just, like, rough and brutish. Yeah. It's, like, a little bit more conversational. It's a little bit more... Yeah, they definitely do that on the t- TV show that they have it, like, very, um... It, uh, it tells you right away that maybe this guy's a little bit different from your average horn dog. Yeah, and here's the very interesting thing is that happens somewhat with Jamie in the book at some point, and it's, it's a very, like, you're like, wow, you grew as a person... Wow, you grew as a person. Whereas you have that moment with uh, Bran is where he grows as a person. Yeah, um, but I feel like there's, I mean, no, it has both. Oh. But it just is a proof that Brienne's influence is good. Yeah. But yeah, there's a there's not as much sex in the first season as I remember, honestly. Because the whole show, everybody's like, oh, there's so much sex. And I'm like, there's no much, there's about there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of titties. There's a lot of titties. You see more vagina than in most shows, but there's a lot of titties. Yeah, but that's because it's on. Um, that's because it's on on, on uh, HBO. But here's the thing. I'm saying it's there's no more sex than any other show on HBO. Yeah, it's not like because everybody acts like this is like so much more sex than other places. But I'm like, this is a, this is on par with HBO and Showtime. I think there's more sex and Shameless than there is in this show. Yeah, let me look through through my uh, notes. Just to see if there's anything else that we missed, even though we are quickly running on two hours now. 
I'm confused accents. <laughs> oh yes, I with the first scene we see with Jamie and uh, Cersei, both like me and our animation roommate had to have the scene like reversed several times because we could not understand what the fuck they were saying. Yeah. No, was it was it Cersei and Jamie or was yes, it, it was Cersei and Jamie when she tells him to go find their brother, or no, oh no, it's the scene where they're when yeah. John Aaron's getting yeah, but the, I forgot that even happened. I forgot we had that. Um, yeah, John Aaron died, and then they're having that conversation where they they could be caught. Uh, Nikolai's accent gets progressively better over even the season. Yeah. Yeah, um, we we, we actually just put on yeah we we actually just put on subtitles because yeah. we were like we cannot understand what oh and uh, Peter Dinklage's accent also got better. Yeah, I don't even know where Peter Dinklage is from. Now that I think about it, quick Google. Um, I just know that he's four four because I wanted to compare his height to Sophie Turner, who is a lot taller than he is. Yeah, the the combo of those two. He is from New Jersey. <laughs> He was born in 1969. Um, I find it interesting that he, um, he's, uh, he's American. I just did, did yeah, his Yeah, no, I knew so he was better. American. But here's the thing about it. I should have known that because he did a guest appearance on Seinfeld as a voice on the phone. What are my notes? The first shot was, like, the first scene of the show is shot at a 60 FPS for some bizarre reason. Yeah, I... Why did they, like, there was no, like, I could not see the artistic reason to shoot at 60 FPS. What scene was that? I always, I always go to the second scene as reference for what the... No, it's the first scene. No, I want to know what the first scene is. Oh, the first scene is the, the Night Watch going through the wall. Oh, yeah. And then meeting the White Walkers. Yeah. Um... I also really like that scene. They think they did that very well. Yeah, but it was I a think good it was shot scene. Very, I think it's for the why snow. why was it shot at... Oh. They wanted to capture the snow a certain way, and I think they shot it at that, because that would make sense, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it could also just been experimental. That's not like a... Well, actually, yeah, if it was shot at 60 frame, uh, FPS, you could export it as... Uh, I feel... You could yeah. export it at a different frame rate. What do people set their TVs to? 24... Huh. I watch a lot of higher network shows, though, so that may be different. Because 24 is high definition. Yeah, 30 FPS, and then 24 is another one. 30 is the one that I normally work with. I've worked with 24 a lot, but I... Well, I I, more people, accurate to say I work with 29.97. People switch... For, because people change frame rates in post... Yeah, you can do that. Too. If you shoot, if you shoot at a greater frame rate, you can change. Because they do have stuff that's like that they did shoot in slow motion, definitely. That might have been it. If uh, sh- sixty frames per second is a good uh, frame rate to shoot at if you're planning on doing slow motion. I wouldn't be shocked if they did do it purposely for slow motion, then they didn't do slow motion. Yeah, and then they didn't do it. But why? But why would they do that and then not? Because it's not like they don't ever use it ever again. I know. I don't know. I think they made. So what if they wanted to set it apart from everything else? It's Which just doesn't weird, make sense. Weird choice. So I don't know. He, There's like so many reasons why they could have done it. Maybe they just that was the first thing they shot, and so they. Yeah, they just wanted to test it. So if you ever see something and you're watching something, you're like, "Wow, this is like." There's something weird about the motion here. It's like weirdly lifelike. That's because they shot at a higher frame rate, so there's not as much motion blur. Uh, so it gets more of the movement. That might have been why. Yeah. Because they want to, because of the creatures. Just because it gives you more jitter. Like, mm-hmm. it feels more real and immediate. Um, yeah, I don't know why they shot that at 60 FPS other than to possibly do slow motion. But here's the thing. I don't know why they exported it in, in 60 FPS because the rest of it looks like it's at 30. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the, uh, maybe it's a snow thing. Maybe they wanted to catch the snow the way they did because it was nice how they cut the snow in that scene. Yeah, but you could still catch that. Like, that's like I a, know, but I'm just saying is that it was different. Yeah, but it does. It still doesn't make sense. It doesn't sense make sense. I try, I'm trying to justify ex- it, but I don't know how. You're trying to justify it, but every th- single time you do, I can go, yeah, but why didn't they export it at 30? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea, and it just is a little and weird. And it's the only scene. I could have We've, I've watched four, se- well, three and a bit seasons of Game of Thrones. That is the only scene that that is played at 60 FPS. Yeah, I've, I don't know. They might do a slow motion scene at some point. I forget. 
Yeah, there, there's a couple. They of should with the White Walkers. Yeah. I want some slow motion White Walkers. Yeah, that'll look good. Apple box. Why did I say shut up, Joffrey, and then Apple box? Oh, they put him on that Apple box because he's short. Oh yes, in the scene where he's talking to Sansa, it was even so... in season one they put him on an Apple box. Yeah. Bye, he... bitch. Why did I say bye, bitch? Oh, it's because that was uh, Viserys dying. Yeah. Um. But uh, the um, they do. Sophie Turner is so tall. She I also made the comment, John tries to break his vows every five seconds, because that's what John does in season one. Uh, Sophie Turner is 5'9", and I feel like in the beginning she might have been 5'7". She was still really tall. She was a really tall child, and so she towered over everybody, including Joffrey. It's funny that they had to put him on a, like, they probably put him on, like, a small apple box, but they definitely bumped him up at least an inch. They do the same thing with all other actors around her later on, because they're like... Yeah. Or they, I wonder if, if any of them put them in Robert Downey Jr. shoes. Have you seen the They sh- should, do you know who they should put in Robert Downey Jr. shoes? Kit Harrington. They should, because Kit Harrington's shorty. He's a manlet. <sighs> uh, so, for context, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is a very short actor. So, there's this great, look up uh, Robert Downey Jr. tall shoes, uh, marvel or avengers or something like that because what marvel does to solve the fact that robert downey jr is noticeably shorter than all of his co-stars is they make put him including these, scarlett johansson who's not even a tall the woman they, they put him in these ridiculous looking platform shoes that are basically like like he's walking i don't know how he walks in them but they could even for game of thrones because they wear boots all the time they could easily hide a little lift yeah you can hide a lift in in the boots so, final thoughts on season one of Game of Thrones. Go. It was good. The last two episodes were the best. Um, they did a good job of setting up the story. They haven't found their voice at this point, but they will soon. Hopefully. Hopefully. They they got there eventually. I think in season two at some point they kind of clicked. So, my thoughts. I ended up liking Game of Thrones a lot better than I thought I would. Because I was under the impression, I'm not a huge fan of, like, a lot of very, like, sex-filled, gory stuff. Like, that's not my thing. I like more, like, action-y type shit and, like, just weird random shit. You're, like, a Marvel comic book type person. Yeah, like, I like a good action flick. And then sometimes, like, the occasional random weird thing will really appeal to me. Like, I really liked the Battle of Algiers. And you also really liked, um, The Shape of Water. I haven't seen that movie. You just I just, I just want to because I've been obsessed with it ever since the trailer came out and then I just never actually went to see it. We have it. We have The Shape of Water in our house. Well, we I guess we're going to have to watch it. Just some... go fucking watch it right now. We should watch it soon and do it as a pretentious movie. We should. We should. We should also do Mean Girls. We should also. We are going to do Mean Girls. Soon. In fact, we're doing Mean Girls next week. Yep. We have to watch it. But we if have we, to watch it. If we can take a break from Game of Thrones, we will watch For it. For five seconds, we'll watch it. Yeah. So, I ended up liking Game of Thrones a lot better than I thought I would like. Um, and a lot of the issues that people raised about Game of Thrones, I did not see as much. Like, some of the sexism. I understood that this was a world in which this was taking place. In, and it wasn't like this was an unquestioned part of the world. The narrative does question it. Especially with, like, Cersei's character and Arya's like- character. I feel like a lot of the sexism that's brought up, like, some of it is just because of the show in general, but some of it is also brought up because of the adaptation losing some parts of the female characters, and I feel like that's a bigger thing sometimes. So it's like that. I I think the, my, my biggest concern with regards with the feminism um, is that it is white feminism. There, the the women of color do not get nearly as much power or agency as any of the white women in fact most of the people of color do not get there's a certain level of agency given to women um in dorn um that i also have a lot of questions about that i think does not do well in the show as translate well as in the show yeah like uh i mean i can't as as a white person i can't really speak too too much on the racial issues but there was a lot that was going on that made me feel very uncomfortable. The the depiction of the Dothraki made me feel very uncomfortable. The depiction um, of um uh, Mary Mary and um yes because there is a large history of burning women of color alive for po- performing 
witchcraft. witchcraft. And um, she felt a little bit like a, a Romani stereotype. There's also, like, definitely in the region they're at, that she may or may not be Arab of descent in the acting. Like the yeah, and they sure. cast an actress who looks... Yeah, and, and it played on some untasteful stereotypes about witches that relate to racism. Yeah. And um, so far, besides, even in what we've watched so far, the only character of color we've seen is Aliara um, Sam is the only woman of color besides slaves. Yeah, <laughs> really? besides literal slaves. So, of course, she has a little bit more agency of, than them. And um, I get that this world is supposed to be medieval Europe, but at the same time, this is a story about subverting also, yeah. fantasy tropes, but it very much upholds this part of fantasy. That's uh, a white the very world. white supremacist angle of, of fantasy. Yeah, and there's also levels of blood supremacy within um, the Targaryen storyline because I do believe in, like, their blood is superior. Yeah, whereas I don't, well, I don't themselves. think that's yeah. necessarily a fault of the story. That's, like, a meta-textual thing. That, that's no, a thing that's in a, story. Yeah, I feel like that's, but I feel like that's a trope that's used a lot within fantasy. That's yeah, in yeah, this. but I feel like they're going to subvert that because uh, the way that the show is going, it feels like you almost get the sense that your blood doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, the only thing that's making these people king is the fact that they say that they're king. Um, and, that, and that's like, especially true in season two. I feel like I feel like there's also a part of it that's like we all have to band together or we're all going to fall. Um, like, if we can't all band together, then we're going to die. Because, uh, and another thing is, like, people would will be like, oh, well, it's supposed to be based on medieval Europe, and so, of course, everybody in Westeros is white. And I'm like, that's not what medieval Europe even looked like. like this is too... Tudor era, I can't pronounce right Tudor era. era. This is, I just blend it words. Tudor era. Tudor, Tudor. Tudor era. 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 <laughs> Tudor era. Then, throughout this podcast, we will eventually master the English language. Okay, well, it's in that era of, um, of medieval times, and that era of medieval times, there were a lot of black people within Europe. Some of them were slaves, but some of them also... A lot of them weren't, though. There were, I'm saying that there were some slaves, but there were also people who just lived there. So There's it's also like... people of I could, um, more descent, which is, like, African and Middle Eastern, yeah. um, who lived there. There's there's a lot of trading that happened at that time with even Asian um, uh, yep. countries coming in. So it doesn't make sense that there, that does not exist. Even, even, like, the cultures that are based off the Vikings. The Vikings... Went all over the place. And there was Vikings. There um, were black Vikings. There were... Middle Eastern Vikings. There yeah. was Asian Vikings. There was a lot of Chinese Vikings. Yeah. Um, so, it, like, it, if that's the world you're basing it off of, it doesn't make It literally doesn't make sense for everybody, for everybody here to be white. And if his idea is to subvert these fantasy tropes, uh, like this medieval fantasy, yeah, then that would have been one of the biggest things to subvert. Yeah, it would have been, and I feel like it, it's missing that a lot. Yeah. Um, and I wish that it existed in this world, and I, I would enjoy it more, and I wish that there were women of color that had a lot of agency. And then all the people of color you do see are... Subservient to another person. They're subservient, or they fall into some questionable stereotypes. They're either slaves, or they are um, bad guys. That's the two options. They're either slaves, and they worship somebody, or they're bad guys, and they have to be killed in, in a horrible way. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of Middle Eastern people that I've seen burn on my television in the past couple of days has been... A little bit upsetting. A little upsetting. <laughs> um, so... The gay characters did not feel even remotely authentic to me. But here's the thing. The gay characters are not point-of-view characters. Yeah. So it's purely the show. Um, and so it has to be the show. Because these, these relationships were very subtle in the books, and they weren't... Um, they were known, but they weren't, like, punching in the face with it. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, Lean Durrell, shut up. Don't just out your son to, like, every person within hearing distance. The gay characters do a very poor job of staying in the closet in a way that doesn't feel very authentic. Oberyn Martell doesn't want to stay in the closet. He is out and about and doesn't give Well, he's also from a culture that doesn't give a shit. He also will poison you if you care too much. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. Yeah, like, Renly, which is why we are pointing out that these actors don't feel like they're gay. Like, like, and it feels like it falls into a lot of stereotypes about the way gay people act and, or interact with each other yeah yeah there's like, like that like, weird scene both where... both renly and um loris or is like, that his name are like yeah. effeminate in some way they they're there's the rainbow guard they're but it's not in the show but da- he... they're a little bit dainty and then uh, like 
Morris likes Renly's shaved. There's also like um there's also like a weird part of it like that's that Renly is the more effeminate of his brothers and it's very much pointed out. Yeah. Um a lot and I find that but I find it strange even like considering the way his brothers act and the way he must have like, been raised. Like he's also raised, like a more emotional. Yeah, and the way he must have been raised. Yeah, he can have all that thing, but his if parents, it had been me, I would have tried to like fit in yeah but here's another thing to think about is he was raised basically by stannis and robert because of the fact and like caregivers because his parents died when he was really young and so therefore you would think that he would be more he would adopt more of their kind of like i could see him being like more of the thoughtful one and i could see him being more in tune with himself but some of the scenes were just like over that like went a little above it i think that it, i like the fact that he was the mo- one talking the most logic in season one to ned like he was dropping some star- hard truth bombs on him about how he needed to deal with things that he did not take into account yeah yeah but and being one of the few people who isn't ruled by is like being a warrior and, and killing and death and, yeah and the, and of course loris is from the house that's all flowers and he yeah flowers that and that, that was too much yeah that was so too much yeah, and in the yeah. Anyway, so that the that was our opinions on Game of Thrones season one, and also apparently several other seasons. Just tidbits. Of uh, time. We we are planning on eventually uh, also covering future uh, the other seasons, and as of recording, season eight uh, is coming out next month. Hopefully, we'll have we'll have finished our binge watch. We're gonna have to like rewatch it before we record it. Because we've got a whole other schedule planned. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So, just some housekeeping then. Uh, we have a Twitter. Uh, at Filmmates Podca... Podca1 is what it is. Um, where uh, we post updates about the episode and sometimes other little tidbits and pieces of information and today, for some strange reason, I got really obsessed with the shot that the uh, I've connected the two dots BuzzFeed Unsolved meme. And I just was like, you know what? This is a really pretty shot. This was a really well done interview setup. So I ended up doing a post about that. Uh, uh, so that's on our Twitter. We also have a Patreon now. We want to get new equipment. We want to get new subscriptions we also want to pay the rent so we set up a patreon mm-hmm. uh so if you like this show consider uh consider donating that patreon is also labeled as filmmates and it is linked to on our twitter we are finally on itunes yay Woo! so if you can go on itunes give this uh show a rating mm-hmm. get some views on that, please that'd review. be nice. Uh, please like, comment, and review. We're, we're, that was so close to being a YouTuber sign out. Speaking of YouTube, we do have a YouTube. Uh, I've been posting, uh, like, uh, excerpts from our episodes. Funny um, tidbits of it. Yeah, funny tidbits of it. Um, there's one uh, video already out. I wonder um, what the funniest part of this episode is. I wonder what the, Yeah. <laughs> What is funny? What have we said anything funny? We 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 got very serious this episode. I mean, it's a more serious show. It is a more serious show. It's not quite as ridiculous, and there was a lot more to talk about with from the technical Maybe side of things. Fake titty. Fake titty. Fake titty. Liza Tully. It was such a good fake tit. Two sister fishes. Fishy titty. Uh, but fish don't have titties and don't t- bring and up they them. never should oh my god that 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 photoshop picture somebody has put out that that was a photoshop that uh, was a cgi like that was a cgi, CGI animation why did somebody make that because animators are too horny and they should not be allowed to there should be no sexy fishes in the sea maybe a couple mermaids if you're into that um yeah uh, so that's our Twitter and our Patreon and our YouTube is also, uh, Filmmates Podcast. If you have any questions or recommendations for stuff for us to cover, like if we've said something in the show and you're like, hey, I don't really know what that is that you mentioned. Like, we kept talking about Apple boxes, um, which are boxes. 
They're the, just boxes. They come just, in different sizes. They're just these wooden things. They're just wooden boxes. That people stand on or they put things on to make them a little higher. Yeah. And there's different sizes of and them. And then people in the crew steal them to sit on them when Constantly. they shouldn't be. Constantly. Uh, so if you have any questions or you want us to take a look at something, uh, you can email us at filmmatespodcast, that is F-I-L-M-M-A-T-E-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. So that looks like it's it for this episode. Again, next week we are going to be covering the movie Mean Girls, a very different thing from Game of Thrones. Well, actually, actually, it's very much like Game of Thrones. Oh, Think yeah. about it. Everybody's trying to kill each other for the top spot. Everybody's, yeah. Oh my Fun god. Movie. Do you know what I was, do you know, okay, does that mean that, um, that Joffrey is Regina George, and then who? Then um, then I feel like Rob has to be the girl with the curly hair who does the Hamlet. Everybody should just, no. Everybody should kill Caesar. Speech. Everybody should just kill Caesar. <laughs> what yes. a great speech. Um. So yeah. Or would he be um Lindsay Lohan's character because they have red hair? Sansa's Lindsay Lohan's character. I don't know. I always thought she was Aaron Samuels, who will realize that he's a twat. Anyway. So that's us signing off. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you next week. Goodbye. Farewell.